Welcome back to Sister Sleuths. I'm Courtney. I'm Danny. And I'm Kim. I still, I thought of something to say and I just couldn't think of anything. <laughs> How was everyone's Halloween? Anything. My mind goes totally That's blank. What I'm oh, say. Good. How was it? Good. So great. Yeah, Halloween. Halloween was great. I'm going to just tell you guys, I'm, I, I wrote it in group text, but like the houses out here in Indiana, t- they hit different than they do in Utah. <laughs> like they're spooky as hell already. Because they're old, right? Yeah. They look old. And like moldy because it's so wet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like it's our, you Love don't that. need to put up the like inflatable and like ghosts and stuff here because your shit is already scary. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Asher was so scared at the first house that we went to that he was like, uh-uh, I'm sitting in the car. <laughs> he was and like, he I don't even need candy. Yep. He's like, I don't need that. Nope. Nope. No. I mean, that's smart, though. Is worth it. He listened to his instincts. He did. That's true. That's how you stay that's alive. Good, and true, also, good did you see that they put, what were they, sewing needles in those Kit Kats or whatever in Iowa? Yeah, they that's crazy. our audience that this would happen. It wasn't cyanide, but it still was a thing. We did say to check your candy yeah in all my years of being a human i've never actually heard of a real story where someone like found some shit in their candy until this year and then you sent that one and then i saw one on facebook here in saint george that someone found a screw in their kids candy like someone just shoved it in there i think that they're actually people like putting screws in people's candy or a dv parents are like this will be funny. We'll be on the news. Just being drama queen? Yeah, I don't know. Like the it people who pretend to find like band-aids? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they're like, I'm going to sue the shit out of this company. Yep. None of my kids uh, want to go trick-or-treating anymore. So that is so sad. I know. They're all old. So my youngest daughter convinced me because I'm lame. And you guys said I had never watched Scream. She convinced me to watch Scream. Love so, that for you. Over the weekend, we watched Scream 1 through 4, which I didn't even know there were four. There's a new one coming um, out, too, so you can watch that when it comes out. Yeah, so then I can watch that. Here's the thing about Scream. They're not scary, and I was totally fine with it. And then here's what happened yesterday. Um, I When I leave for work in the morning, it's still pitch black outside. And so I'm leaving for work. Yeah. And I have my flashlight on because my porch lights burned out. So I'm walking to my car. And as I walked around Sam's enormous truck to get to my tiny baby car, it's totally dark. And I've just got my flashlight. And I just kept thinking, this is literally the movie we watched yesterday. I'm good. This (laughs) is where I die. So I get in my car and I lock the door, which is not just a scream movie thing. That's I always do that. As soon as I get in my car, I lock the door because you just don't want to be kidnapped out of your own car. So I lock the door. And as I go to turn the engine on, I thought to myself, when my car starts and the headlights turn on, Oh no! Right in fucking front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Those are which is a crazy person thought. But that's what I thought. It could happen. It could happen. I will wake up and like 
the middle of the night and to have to like get something for the boys or like something in the house is dark. And I literally think that like there's someone hiding in this corner. I'm going to turn these lights on. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's going to be somebody there. Like I think that all the time. Listen, if I get up in the middle of the night to pee, I leave the bathroom light on when I leave that room. I'm like, nope, <laughs> I'll pay that power bill. It's fine. I'm also <laughs> the girl that will like run upstairs from the basement or like oh, yeah. run up to my bed and like jump on it so that way my feet don't get grabbed by the for sure boogeyman that lives underneath <laughs> my boogeyman. bed. Listen, yeah. I have a solution to that because I've always been afraid that someone's going to be under my bed. I have a bunch of storage containers under my bed so no one can fucking fit under there. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Well, I'm in charge this week. Should I just roll with it? Yeah, let's do it. So this week I'm going to talk about Israel Keys. So I had literally never heard of Israel Keys until uh, Sam and I went on our anniversary trip this last April. And I'm a psycho, so I I like to get books on. I always call them books on tape, audiobooks, because they're not. They used to be. They used to be (laughs) on my phone. Yeah, they used to be. So I got this audiobook. Um, I don't even remember what it's called. American Psycho or something. American. I don't know. Anyway, it was about Israel Keys, and I got it because I had never heard of him. And I was like, how good of a serial killer can he be if I've literally never heard of him? Yeah, he's pretty freaky, though. He's so scary. I made Sam. Sure. Yeah, he's scary. I made Sam listen to it on our anniversary trip because I'm psycho. Is he as so. into the true crime thing? Um, Not as, not like I am, but he's willing to listen to it with me. He'll listen to it and he'll listen to me ramble on about it. Like every week I tell him all of the, all of the shit that we're going to talk about. (laughs) And then he's still a good enough sport that he listens to the podcast after I've like rattled his ear off about it. I love that. I had forgotten about this guy, but I have listened to a podcast about him. And now I remember like what brought him to back to my brain because there's a picture right in front of my face and you'll get to that but it's terrifying yeah um the the hard part for me this week was taking all of the information that i learned about him from this book which was full of like all kinds of information and whittling it down to what i thought was digestible in 35 minutes (laughs) yeah so um israel keys was born in 1978 in this teeny tiny little town called Cove, Utah, which I literally had never heard of. And so I had to Google it. And it's in like the very northmost part of Utah. Um, The current population is like 410 people. So I have no idea how tiny it was in 78, but it's little. Uh, He was the second of 10 children, all of whom were homeschooled. Uh, when he was born, his family practiced the LDS religion, but by the time they moved to Washington State, which I think he was only two or three, his family decided that the LDS church was not for them, and they moved to Washington State near Spokane, where they lived off-grid in a cabin without running water or electricity, and they joined a new church, well, they joined two, actually, Um Christian fundamentalist churches, one called the Ark and the other called the Christian Israel Covenant Church, both of which are heavily linked to anti-Semitism and white supremacy. Love that. Yeah, good. 
good uh, religion choice. That's a good like start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh right? So his parents are, well, I mean, I don't know them personally, but it seems a little <laughs> kooky. Um, yeah, they just like moved the family up to this cabin and were like, don't, you know, have a social security number or be on the grid or anything. Like none of the kids had social security numbers. He talks about, I listened to an interview with him and he talks about how when he was 18, he got his license, but it was really hard to get it because he was never issued a social security number. What the hmm. heck? Which, yeah, like his parents never registered him as having been born. Wow. So um, growing up in this little town in Washington State, he some of his best friends were these brothers named the Kehoe brothers. Their families attended the same church. And just to tell you what kind of a friend group this was, uh, their favorite activities were breaking into neighbors' homes and hunting and torturing animals. Serial Two killers, of, for sure. <laughs> no, for real, though. Two of That's the Kehoe brothers ended up in prison as adults, and one of them is in prison for triple homicide. I'm telling you, when kids start torturing animals like that, like maybe we should just lock them up. We should just gotta be like, something. honey... You Sorry. gotta go to the doctor now. You <laughs> that like, you're just you, gonna you say you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> like, honey, I love you, but you're out of here. Yeah, yeah. No, really though, I think people should be more like if that's a bad sign if your kids. It like, definitely is. I just like to torture animals. You need to get them some help. Like that's the. Why would you not? Why? I don't understand how parents would just be like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Like just skinned the dog outside, but I think it's just a phase. Yeah. <laughs> kids will you be know, kids. Maybe he's going to be a veterinarian. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. That was my first vet. Yeah. <laughs> a veterinarian. Just practice. Uh, so, yeah, he's just learning the ropes. Uh, as a young adult, Keyes decided that religion wasn't for him, and so he rejected religion altogether and became an atheist. And so he was completely disowned by his father, but his mom was still, like, cool with him. And she was the typical, I think the word I heard about, referenced about her was domineering, which, again, you see a lot of times in serial killers. They have, like, that mom that rules their whole lives. Mm-hmm. So in 1998, when he was 20, he joined the army and he served three years in the army. Uh, he spent some time in Egypt at Fort Hood and then at Fort Lewis, which is also in Washington state, which is creepily where um, my partner Sam also served as an army ranger at Fort Lewis, but not in the same time period. Uh, Keyes was honorably discharged in July of 2001 and Sam would have been a Lewis like right after that. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, his fellow soldiers said that he was a pretty good, pretty good soldier and a really quiet guy. And he kind of kept to himself, but that he was a heavy drinker. The only incident that he had while he was in the army is that he received a DUI. And when he was discharged honorably from the army in 2003, he moved to a nearby reservation to live with his baby mama. And 
they i don't know what happened with them i couldn't find anything about it but they did have a daughter together and somehow the daughter ended up living with keys and in 2007 he and his daughter moved to anchorage and he opened his own construction company so weirdly i'm doing another one two in a row from anchorage alaska i noticed that i didn't even notice until i was halfway through and then i was like oh shit, this one's in anchorage too <laughs> that's, i'm obsessed that's um, so here's what, there's a lot of backstory to what Keys had going on, but the way it worked out in reality is that no one knew anything about any of his backstory until, um, he made a mistake. So the night of February 1st, 2012, Samantha Koenig, an 18 year old Anchorage resident is working as a barista at this little, like, you know, the little coffee trailers, like they're we call it their perks here, but they're like a little mobile. They're not mobile, but they're like in parking lots and yeah. you can go get coffee from a little window. So she was working at a coffee hut called common ground at around eight o'clock. There's, there's like surveillance footage of the whole thing. So you can watch it and we'll Courtney will link it cause she's awesome. Um, so around eight o'clock keys arrives at the coffee hut. And he's wearing a dark hoodie and a baseball cap. He comes to the window and orders an Americano. Surveillance footage shows Samantha preparing his drink. And she's very calm. She passes it out to the window to him. And then almost immediately, she like takes a big step back, puts her hands up in the air. And you can tell like it, something has gone wrong. So she goes, she turns off all the lights in the shop. You can see her on the footage emptying the register. And then she passes the bag out the window and then it feels like 900 years pass and like you can't see what's going on you're not really sure what's happening and then this guy who is outside of the window fucking vaults into the coffee hut through the open window zip ties her hands together and forces her out the back door at gunpoint um once she's outside she attempts to run but keys quickly tackles her to the ground and forces her into his truck which is parked across the street and he drives away the whole time he's telling her he's going to hold her for ransom and she doesn't have anything to be worried about. So at some point in the trip, he realizes he doesn't have her cell phone and that his big plan was that he would just use her cell phone to demand the ransom. So he circles back to common grounds, goes back in, gets her cell phone out and then drives around town until his girlfriend and daughter are asleep at home until he figures that they will be and then he sends two text messages from samantha's phone one to her boss and one to her boyfriend that basically allude to the fact that she's pissed off and stressed and she's going away for the weekend she tells in the text message to her boyfriend it says like "Fuck you i know what you did and i need time to think and both her dad and her boyfriend were like confused because they didn't feel like it sounded like her and even though her and her boyfriend had been having trouble apparently they'd been like fighting earlier that day the boyfriend felt like they had kind of gotten things worked out so keys takes her to his house and he puts her in the shed and he locks her he like ties her up locks her up in there then he gets back in his truck and drives to her house where he breaks into the truck that her and her boyfriend share and he steals her debit card and her license. And while he's there stealing her shit out of the truck, the boyfriend hears and he comes out of the house. 
he sees a guy breaking into the truck and he runs back inside to get help or a gun or I don't know. But by the time he comes back out, Keys has already stolen the debit card and license and he's gone. And, and the crazy thing is the boyfriend never reports that someone broke into the truck because the room, well, the rumor is that he didn't report it because he and Samantha and her dad were like low level drug dealers. Mm -hmm. And so they had stuff in the house and they didn't want to get busted. And so they didn't, he didn't report it because when he looked, he felt like there wasn't anything missing or I don't know. So he never even reported that someone had broken into the truck. And this is the same night that his girlfriend goes missing. That's he crazy. just doesn't. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. He, I don't think that the boyfriend realized at the time that she was missing. I think still mm -hmm. he kind of thought, well, maybe she really is just mad at me. Yeah. So then Keys returns to his house. He rapes Samantha and then he's to death. The next morning, February 2nd, 2012, he and his family had a cruise planned. They're supposed to leave for a cruise. So he, the night before, put samantha's body into a tarp and then he shoved her into a cupboard in the shed locked it and then he just fucking went on this cruise with his family oh my gosh that's the weirdest thing to me is these guys that just act normal like you didn't yeah. just kill someone yeah totally normal like he yeah just, that's creepy yeah he just goes in the house showers and packs his bag and is like let's go on a cruise and they just, they fly out to Texas and go on a cruise and they don't come home for 15 days. Oh my wow. gosh. So Samantha's body is in this shed in a cupboard for 15 days. When he gets home, um, she's literally frozen. Like the high in Anchorage in February is an average of 27 degrees. So it's freezing all the time. I have been dreading this part this entire story. I, it's so gross. <laughs> so I'm I'm really going to skim the surface of what happens because I don't want to talk about it in detail. But basically what happens is Keys still wants a ransom. He needs money. So he takes her out um, of the cupboard and he thaws her out with a blow dryer. Um... And then he braids her hair and does her makeup and he sews her eyelids open with fishing line and he poses her with a dated newspaper and then he takes pictures. He includes a picture and a ransom note and he leaves it at a park and then I think he texts the boyfriend and told him where they could find it. Um, and he demands like $30,000 for her safe return. The crazy thing is, like, A, she's been dead, like, 15, 16 days at this point. And I I just can't even... It's terrifying. I am looking at the picture right now, and it's... Yeah. The first time that I had seen the picture, I don't remember if I had to the podcast that I had started or what, but I didn't realize that she was dead. And if you look at the picture, she doesn't really look like it's she looks like she's messed up but you wouldn't think she's dead yeah you wouldn't think so and I, but knowing I that she is makes it very it's eerie. awful yeah she just looks like I she got beat because... up yeah 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 no, she looks she's like she's frozen like been through some days. shit 
but yeah, she's literally been frozen, which I'm sure is why she doesn't look. I mean, she wouldn't have decomposed at all because she she it would it would have been like she yeah. had been at the morgue. Mm-hmm. Ew, that's but, so creepy. Yeah, so he takes the pictures and then he dismembers her body and takes her to um, Matanuska Lake, which is north of Anchorage. And he has to drill a hole in the lake because obviously it's frozen. So he decides over the course of a few days that he will take, he doesn't want to take the body all at once. So he takes parts of the body and then this motherfucker just goes fishing while he's up there. I don't know if he, I don't know if he went fishing because he thought that would be like a good cover or if he went fishing because he was just so um, okay with everything that he did that it didn't even seem weird to him to like dispose of a body and fish at the same time. He's really like, oh my gosh, it's with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I'm here. Multi-time. I mean, logo ice fishing. Like I had to drill a hole. Like I brought my auger all this way. So the Anchorage community donates a ton of money to help with the ransom. And Koenig's father puts the cash into Samantha's account because that's like his, that's what Keyes had asked them to do because he already has her debit card. So the FBI told him, do it. Like tells the dad, go ahead and do it because their plan is that the kidnapper is going to have to use the card at ATMs to get the money out and they'll eventually be able to catch him. Yeah, that's completely idiotic. Yeah, why really would you is. want on a card like that? Yeah, you'd want ca they always ask for cash. Yeah, that's But stupid. they were like, nope, we're going to throw it on this card and see what He's happens. He's like Venmo me. My Venmo is Psycho Motherfucker. <laughs> That's catchy. Yeah. They, I thought about myself. <laughs> um, the crazy thing to me is like within it, I think it was within a week, Keys makes multiple withdrawals at local banks in Anchorage. The first one is only like a two minute drive from the coffee place where he abducted Samantha. And then like a week goes by and nothing happens and they're kind of tracking him, but all of the surveillance, he just, they, all they know is it's a white guy cause they can see his hand, but he's got on like a ski mask and he's in a different car. I think the car ended up being um, his girlfriend's car. I want to say, which is pretty rude if you're going to yeah, go that is rude. committing crime. So then like a week passes and suddenly the ATMs like withdrawals start happening in different states. So there's a withdrawal in Arizona and then there are a couple in New Mexico and then there are like three in Texas. And each time they're like minutes behind this guy, local authorities have all been notified. So like, as soon as he withdraws from the ATM, they're trying to catch him, but they can't at several of the ATMs though. They do catch his car on camera. And at this point he's in a rental car and it's a white Ford Focus, which is like, could you get a more common car in the whole world? So police and FBI are tracking him. They put out an APB for the white Ford Focus. Um, two Texas Highway Patrol officers pull over a white Ford Focus matching the description. And they find enough evidence in plain view that they're able to do a search. 
And when they search, they find not only Samantha's debit card, but also her cell phone. He still has her cell phone. What the fuck? Yep. I feel like he had moments when he was like, oh, this guy's kind of smart. And then you hear stuff like that and you're like, this guy's pretty dumb. (laughs) Right? You're like, what the fuck was this guy thinking? (laughs) And that's the crazy thing is, so I listened to, um, I listened to a really good podcast called True Crime Bullshit. And he does a whole series on Israel Keys. I only listened to like the first episode, but if you want like a serial where you're going to get like 12, it's like quite a few episodes just about Israel Keys, then that would be a really good one to listen to. It had an interview and he, one of his interviews with the FBI and Keys basically said that had he not broken his rules, then he would have never gotten caught, but he broke his rules and that's how he got caught. So, I mean, they had no, nothing tying him to Samantha. If he hadn't have used her ATM card, they never ever would have realized it was him. Their main suspects were Samantha's dad and like this ex-friend who she had had a restraining order against. They, Israel Keys was on nobody's radar at all. That is so crazy. Yeah. Because once they pull him in on this crime and he realizes he's like fucked he starts telling them the true extent of his crimes which we're they're not even sure what that is at this point he claims to have killed under a dozen people but the way that he kept talking about it they're not even sure that that's true so he eventually he admits to samantha's death and then he admits to killing bill and lorraine courier of essex vermont which is a couple that he basically abducted and then killed in an abandoned house and then just left their bodies there. And then he also committed, he admits to committing several arsons, burglaries, and rapes. The craziest thing about him, I think, is the lengths that he went to. Like, this guy was incredibly calculated until the Samantha incident because his number one rule was to never kill near home. He never killed anyone that he had any connection with. So if he could be tied to a person in any way, he would not kill that person. He had, he would fly into somewhere for work and bury a kill kit, which they found, I think, two or three in locations that he had told them they would find them. And they were like totes full of weapons and money and supplies to conceal bodies and what he how he told the FBI that he operated was he would fly into a city so like when he was headed to Texas he flew into Las Vegas he rented a rental car and then he drove the rest of the way so there's no record of him being in these places because he paid cash for gas he paid cash for everything he only has record of whatever town he flew into and that would be hundreds of miles away from where these people ended up missing He said instead of picking people, he would let the people pick him. So he would go to like a remote location and he would just see who like stumbled upon him. And that was his victim. He had no like, like Ted Bundy always only like almost exclusively killed dark haired girls who parted their hair down the middle. Mm -hmm. He's had no specifics that's he just scary. killed whomever it is came. scary yeah like it's terrifying right 
I mean, you're around Ted Bundy times and you're like, all right, well, I'm a blonde, so I'm safe. <laughs> but if- yeah, I feel That's like crazy. That makes me think about who I interacted with, even just like in a day, like the cashier at a store or just a person mm-hmm. walking by in an aisle and thinking, wow, what if they thought that same way where it's like, oh, she said, how are you doing today? Or mm-hmm. that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Super scary. The And in all of the interviews, you listen to him talk. He sounds like just a normal, like there's nothing inherently creepy about him. He just, like you wouldn't ever think Oh, yeah, that guy, serial killer for sure. Like, if you didn't know him, I mean, he lived this whole life where no one, no one in his neighborhood thought when they heard someone was missing, no one thought, ooh, I'll bet it's that creepy guy down the road. Right. Like, no one placed him there because he kept his, like, his actual everyday life separate from his murder life. Did you say what he does, like, what he did for a living? He was a contractor. Oh, yeah. Because he got around. I'm looking at the list of places that he murdered people and stuff. And like, dang. Yeah, they think it's like numerous states. In fact, when he went to Texas, um, it sounded like, I think it was maybe when he was on his cruise. I don't remember. But one of the times he went to Texas, um, he got into a fight with his mom and he was missing for like three days. Like no one in his family knew where he was. And when he came back, um, all of his clothes were muddy and he acted, he just acted kind of weird. And the theory is that while he was missing those three days, he had gone on another kill and had killed someone else. It's so, it's almost impossible to tie him to any of these people because... There's no way to put him in any of these locations because he planned he planned it out so well. And at the same time, not planned at all because he'd just wait for people to, like, he'd wait to stumble onto people. The unpredictable ones, I think, are the most scary. Yeah. I just read a thing that said that he, t- detective, that he didn't kill people because he was crazy or like because of his childhood or anything like that. He killed because he liked it. Just the enjoyment of it. Yeah, he just, it was just a thing he did. That's, when you listen to the recording of him um, and it's online, like the FBI released recordings of him. It, he really talks about it like, like a normal person would talk about a book that they had read or like a trip to the grocery store. He talks about it like it's the most mundane thing in the world. Right now, there is no one who knows me or who has ever known me who knows anything about me, really. Mm-hmm. They know they're going to tell you something that does not line up with anything I tell you because I'm two different people, basically. And the only person who knows about what I'm telling you, the kind of things I'm telling you, is me. How long have you been two different people? <laughs> long time. 14 years. Like, oh, yeah, that I did that. That's like, wow. You know, no big deal. It just, what a psychopath. Yeah. Seriously, seriously, psycho. And no one's ever heard of him. He's so, like, not, I mean, 
crazy level, he's on the crazy level. He's like top tier psychotic. But he, I think part of the reason no one had heard of him initially is when he was first caught, he had like, he had this deal with the FBI that he would give them information to help them close some cases, you know, help them find some of these people that he had killed. But he didn't want his name released because he didn't want his daughter to have to be associated with it. Because at the time, in 2012, she was 10. So he knew that his past would, like, follow her even after he died. So that was his deal was, like, I'll tell you guys what you want to know, but you can't put my name out there because I don't want it to follow my daughter. Screw him. He should have thought of that. Yeah, Yeah, right? Right? murdering people mm-hmm. get special requests that does suck no. that that would follow her around but you should have thought of that but yeah he should have he seriously should have thought about that and then the whole time he's being interviewed by the fbi he's totally just jerking them around because he only really gives them the two people the one couple those that's the only people that he actually gives them that he killed everything else is like very well i might have done something in this area Or, like, I lived here at this time, and here's some things that happened there. But, like, he never fully came out and was like, oh, yeah, 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 here's all the crimes that I committed. He was just very, like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you when I fucking want to tell you. What a dick. And then, to be the ultimate dick move, um, while he was being held in Anchorage Correctional Center... Um, and being interviewed by the FBI and they're trying to close all these cases before he's really given them any fucking useful information. He commits suicide. Cop out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was so furious at the end of the book when <laughs> Sam and I were driving in the car. They, I was like, how have I never heard of this guy? And like, we've got like all these cases have to have been closed because he was so willing to talk to the FBI And then they get to the point where he commits suicide. And I was like, are you motherfucking kidding me? (laughs) Unacceptable. That ruins it for everybody. Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) Don't. You you. haven't been a big enough asshole. Now you're just going to take all the info that you have to your grave. So none of these families can have any closure. I'm reading um, like a transcript from one of the FBI interviews. And he's like telling the detectives that there's. There's certain aspects of, like, things that he's done that he doesn't want the public to know about. So, he's, like, very concerned as to whether it's going to be, like, a public hearing and how everything is, like, from the interviews will be taken in as evidence. And then it will be, like, relayed in court. And then the public will know everything about, like, what he did with the bodies and, like, the sexual assault stuff. He's, like, trying to tell him, like, and he's, like, laughing. He's, like... Like, we got to figure out something different. Like, those are things that I don't want the public to know about. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're a freak. You don't get to decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he talks about it casually. Even just reading it, I can tell that he's probably just, like, slouched back in a chair. Like, not he giving fully any is. Yeah. No, he talks about it so casually that it just, it turns your stomach. I had forgotten about this guy. And I don't know yeah, how, he's... because that picture really did, like, torment me for a long time. Oh, yeah. That picture is like, what the fuck? So that's the story of horrible, disturbing uh, Israel keys. Makes me want to throw up a little. 
And on that note, we've got our viewer, uh, not viewer, our listener, Gabby. He's going to tell us a spooky story, true crime edition. You're here just in time. I just had the funniest thought. What if the murder that you pick is the murder that we did this week? Oh my gosh. That would be crazy. Okay, I don't think the, it is, but what I don't if it think is? I don't think it is just because they haven't stated it's a murder. Oh. It's so okay. I don't even know how to like explain I'm how intrigued. crazy this shit is. I I made my mom listen to it. I've like told my friends like listen to this because it is the most whack thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh snap! I'm, I'm so excited. excited. <laughs> Are you sure you're ready? Oh, I don't Born know. Ready. I'm I'm putting you down this rabbit hole. So this (laughs) case I heard on a podcast probably like six months ago, eight months ago. I don't know when. I don't know time anymore. (laughs) But anyway, it's the case of a guy named Bryce Las Pisa. And so Bryce was going to his sophomore year of college. He lived about seven hours away from his parents in California. And when he went back to his sophomore year after the summer, he started, like, drinking heavily and taking some type of off-brand Adderall. His behavior was really weird. So his roommate called his mom, which is really weird. Like, I feel like you have to be in a pretty bad state for your roommate to call your mother. For your college roommate to be like, buddy, you gotta get some help. (laughs) (laughs) For real. And then a couple of days later, his girlfriend calls his mom. And his girlfriend is saying, like, hey, he's at my house, which is about 90 minutes from his apartment, I believe. And she's saying, like, he's upset and I don't think he should drive. But she hands him the phone and he talks to his mom. And his mom is like, you know what? He sounds fine. He sounds lucid. So, like, just give him his keys. Let him go. Um, oh, at shit. 1 a.m., <laughs> Bryce calls his mom to check in that same night and he she thinks he's home but the next morning uh he gets they get a call at 11 a.m from state farm and it says he needed roadside assistance it so, was jake yes he was wearing khakis <laughs> oh but yeah they call and they're worried and they're trying to get a hold of him he won't answer, but there's a credit card charge from a tire and truck place. So they call that and they talk to this technician. His name was Christian. Christian's a cool guy. He was like, okay, yeah, well, I helped him fill up his car and I'll go check on him again. And Bryce is sitting in the same exact spot. So he's what? been there since, like, he called his mom at 1 a.m. Creepy. He's been sitting there. So... After um, he goes and checks on him, his mom is like, okay, you're three hours from home. Go fill up your tank. Come home. And they're thinking, okay, he'll be home around three. Three o'clock comes. Three o'clock goes. He's not home. And he's been out of touch for about six hours at this point. And so they call the deputies and they make a missing persons report. And the deputies go back there and he is on, he's in the same spot still. The same spot. Still. Just, he's just sitting there? He's just sitting there. He's still sitting on the side of the road. But the deputies, like, they talk to him. They give him, like, a sobriety test. He's perfectly sober. Um, they make him call his mom, and he sounds like he's fine. 
And I say, okay, please just get on the road. Come home. Um, some more hours pass. And Christian, the car guy, calls his parents back. Because when they were worried about him, Christian had missed a call from the parents. So he calls back. His parents fill them in. And he goes, well, do you want me to go check on him again? And they say, no, it's been a few hours. He should be plenty on the road now. Uh, Christian is a good soul. He goes and checks anyway. And Bryce is still there. Oh what gosh. the fuck? What is he doing? <laughs> right? That's exactly my words. Um, so yeah, at that point, Christian calls again and they, he says, I'll follow him onto the freeway. And he follows him about 10 miles. And then he turns around and goes home. At 8, or not at 8 a.m., at 3.25 in the morning, he calls his mom and says, Yo, I'm too tired to drive. I'm going to pull over. And she says, Good. Like, I don't want you to fall asleep while you're driving. Go take a nap. Get back on the road. And at 8 a.m., there's a knock on their door. And it's not Bryce. It's the police. Hmm. His car was found overturned and abandoned about two hours away from their house. And... Um, they, the back window had been pushed out from the inside. So they're assuming like he made it out of the car. Um, so there were searches done and surveillance cameras actually caught Bryce's car going up this hill kind of by a lake at 2.15 in the morning. And then that same camera catches him going up that same hill again at 4.29 in the morning. So... For two hours, no one knows where he is, and he goes up this hill again. Um, The dogs, they sent dogs out there, and they tracked his scent to a truck stop across the road, and that's where the trail ended. And that's the end of the heck? Oh my god! I hate these kind of stories. Why would you do this to me? Right? I fully told her that she said, I have two. One is unsolved and one is solved. And I said, you gotta do the unsolved <laughs> one. My sisters hate those. <laughs> no, it's crazy. To me. A lot of people think he just had like a mental break. And yeah, but to me, something going on. I don't... Yeah, but to me, his body, so the hill was by a lake. And to me, if he was dead, his body would have been found already. For sure. So a lot of people think there's foul play involved. So that's why I was like, where, what the, what the fuck? Very interesting. There are a lot of stories like this Like surprisingly, there are so many stories of people just like all of a sudden acting really weird and then just like disappearing. And aliens. no bodies are ever found. And aliens. Like I was yeah, just going to so say aliens. <laughs> it is so weird. You'd think with like how many people are in the world and like all the technology and stuff we have that you'd be able to find someone you who just think, like right? up and walked away. Crazy. Not this kid. No, and he's like, kid. how long? I, how long has he been missing? Um, I think this was in 2018. Or I think it was 2013. That's a long time. It's been a long time. And like I said, some people think there's foul play just because he was doing like the off-brand Adderall. Yeah. But like, Bryce, son, where are you? I need to know. Oh my gosh. Honey, reach out. Call your mom. My question is, I've never heard of this. And where's like his... uh... Like news coverage and stuff. Was this on the news? Like, I don't understand how they pick and choose 
like what goes on and what doesn't yeah i mean I, here's the thing I, it's super selective what goes yeah, on like if you're doesn't. not a pretty whatever blonde, they think they're not gonna put you on the news sorry yeah because it's whatever they think will get them viewers mm-hmm. the news Which is a business fucked up. Yes. super fucked up totally super fucked up yeah wow not equal coverage not equal news coverage in this uh it's because he's a ginger that's what it is i was just <laughs> you <laughs> looked him up he's a ginger you thought i was gonna discrimination and not look to see what bryce looked like mm. no i and was just really like, invested he looks like someone who would stand out like yeah, you know yeah. Nice if you saw him like he's bright red hair like this kid if i saw him i'd be like oh my god that's bryce mm-hmm. you'd be like bryce homie where have you been like call your mom please for the love seriously she's worried dude well i found a reddit thread about him so now i'm gonna have oh, to courtney's already that. down, the, down the rabbit hole, the rabbit hole. Yes. oh no been there let's go done that Oh, Gabby, thank you so much for coming and yes. being our slaying first it. Week our new improved yes. slaying it. Woohoo! Yes. Thank you so I'm much. So this is fun. Yeah. And I'm glad I can put that in your brain so it will never leave now. Right, yes. <laughs> That's, um, these are the things that we think about when we can't get to sleep at night. Oh, I love Perfect. that. I love that. That was thank great, you Gabby. So much. Thank You're you so awesome. much. Thank you, guys. We just love you. I love you guys. I literally <laughs> too much. If you think of anything <laughs> else, you. we would love to hear from you again. See Thanks, you later. Bye. 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 How cute is love she? That. that was honestly, I couldn't it's have asked so for better. Fun. I love listening to So now everybody Thanks. else, that's what you have. Yeah, Gabby just, just set you. the bar so yeah, high for you did. guys. What a oh, what so a good, good one to end on. What a like a perfect first day of new slaying it and if you too want to be on slaying it to tell us your favorite true crime spooky story you can find us on facebook on instagram on twitter you can message us if you have our phone numbers (laughs) yeah we're here for millions you can email us you want our email (laughs) yeah you can email us at sistersleuth3 at gmail.com Listen, kids, don't do drugs. And if anyone tries to kidnap you or sex traffic you or murder you, just stab them in the dick. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Sister Sleuths. Guess who just hard to find music? Oh. Yeah. Um, Bryce. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>